0: Roulette. Nothing personal word of the day on November 6, 2020's roulette. Roulette's a game that you play in a casino. It's a wheel and there's numbers and you bet on a number. So let's say you have a dollar and you put a dollar on the number five. They spin the wheel around and around it goes. And if it lands on five, you get paid, let's say, 36 to one. That's cool because there's 36 numbers. So the odds are perfectly even. Mm, well, wait a minute. There's two other holes which are green zero and green double zero. So you should be getting paid 38 to 1. You're actually getting paid 36 to 1, which means no matter what, the house is taking a VIG. So you spin again. Now you can bet on red, all red, any red wins. You only have 18 shots to that. Do you think you get paid 18 to 1? Hmm. Yeah. All right. Why is roulette the word of the day? Why am I talking about Vegas? Because there's now professional sports in Vegas. And what is better than knowing that there's a professional sports team in Las Vegas and that team gambles? That team takes risks that are above and beyond the risks that should be taken by a professional sports team. It'd be normal, right? That would make sense. What's the perfect team to be in Vegas? It's the Los Angeles Raiders. It's the Oakland Raiders. It's the Los Angeles Raiders. It's the Oakland Raiders. Now it's the Las Vegas Raiders. They wear the black and silver. Remember Al Davis, the great owner? Great team president who works for CBS. Her name is Amy Trask, used to be the team president. May have been the first, she could be in the Hall of Fame, first female team president, major sports team. Phenomenal. But what the Raiders were known for, remember Lester Hayes with Stickum Coca, there's no way you remember that. Lester Hayes was... uh from times way back when Raiders were known sometimes as a dirty team. Uh, they had a great coach named John Madden, the guy who does the video games. Yeah, you may not know John Madden as a coach, but he was a Hall of Fame coach, a Super Bowl winning coach. Why am I talking about the Las Vegas Raiders right now? And why am I talking about roulette? Because they spun the wheel and they came up with double zero. I don't know what it is about being in Vegas But it's not everyone. When you look at actually the electoral college map and the voting map, parts of Nevada are red, parts are blue. Maybe COVID is known as a red versus a blue virus. I just think it's a horrific virus that has interrupted my life and everyone else's life completely and impacted people financially, emotionally, and with loss of life. Other than that, it's been fine. Roger Goodell is the commissioner of the NFL, and he's been very clear. Wear a goddamn mask. That's it. I don't care if what your politics are. Wear a mask. Well, there were a bunch of teams early on where the coaches didn't wear masks. The coach of the Raiders is the former coach who then became a TV personality, an analyst, and now is back to being coach. His name is John Gruden. He wore his mask like a chin strap. And uh, by the way, if you don't wear your mask over your nose and mouth, just don't wear a mask. Don't pretend to wear a mask and then wear it below your chin. I'd rather you just not wear it and tell me you're not going to wear it instead of me thinking, wow, you've got a mask. Maybe you believe in masks and then you wear it below your chin or even below your nuzzle That's a word for nose, by the way. John Gruden got fined. Remember, 100 grand. The team got fined a couple hundred grand. And I said no teams would ever get fined again. Oh. MG, I couldn't have been more wrong, but I never thought that the NFL would do what it did last night to the Oakland Raiders. They're not the Oakland Raiders. Three, two, one. I never thought the NFL would do last night what it did to the Las Vegas Raiders. They got fined an additional $500,000. Gruden got fined again $150,000. As repeat offenders, the Las Vegas Raiders have now been fined $1.185 million. But on top of that, Roger Goodell stripped them of a sixth-round draft pick. That's no joke, folks. In Major League Baseball, you lose a sixth-round draft pick. You're like, yeah, well, I just saved 100 grand on signing a player that's very unlikely to make it anyway. Not a big deal. In football, when you lose a sixth-round draft pick, that's meaningful. That that sixth-round draft pick is either trade capital to get better or it's someone you draft that you expect to make your team immediately. How do you respond to that if you're Mark Davis, the son of Al Davis, the owner of the Raiders? Well, there's two ways, and I'm going to hope that Davis is the first way. Because if he's the second way, then he's got a problem on his team. The first way is Mark Davis goes down to his head coach, writes a check, shows him the check, says, hey, I'm sending this to the league. You keep being you. Let our guys keep going to parties. Whatever they do is fine. I'm more than happy to pay the bills because I want my guys to be happy. I want you to be happy. I view this as a cost of doing business, no big deal, keep going. I think that's what Mark Davis must have done, which makes zero sense at all. What I would have done is walk down there the way I would have after he got fined the first time and said, Gruden, here's how it's going to be. I'm paying your fine this time. Next time we get fined, I'm docking your pay. And if the team gets fined because of what you do or any of your players do, I'm docking your pay. And then I'm docking the players' pay. And I'm going to the union right now because I'm going to get an agreement that if these players get fined, I'm not paying their fines. And if the team gets fined, it's coming out of your pocket. Get ready because all you have to do is wear a mask and control your players. Now, John Gruden can say, wait, screw you, Mark. Come on, man. I don't know what my guys do when they're not in my custody. All right. Well, maybe I'll buy that. But No. No, no, actually, I won't buy that. I'm meeting the team right now. John, get them together. All of them right now. Boys, listen to me. I don't think you understand what's happening here. If we don't finish the NFL season or we can't play a game or for whatever reason, the playoffs don't happen or for whatever reason, there's a delay in allowing fans, even though we already built a brand new stadium here in Vegas and we haven't had one fan in there. You guys are losing money. We split revenue with you. I'm not sure that you're understanding it the way the NBA players do. Because if you did, you wouldn't act like such jackasses. But it can't be that Mark Davis did that. Because if you're going to do that, don't you do it after the first fine of 100 grand to Gruden and 250 grand to your team? 250 grand out of my owner's pocket? If I were the team president, I'd resign. It's an outrage. Is that how little control I have over the team? They were dinged because they're repeat offenders. They were dinged because they literally, literally scoffed. They thumbed their nose at the NFL. And the NFL has way too much at stake, way too much. Word of the day is roulette. You played roulette, Mark, and you lost. So you pay attention to the NBA here. Throughout the course of this show, we're going to give you a few updates, a few things from yesterday's show that I have to clarify, a bunch of updates on some stories. We're going to get to some So You Want to Talk to Samson's. But first, I want to update what happened in the NBA. Exactly, exactly as predicted, the NBA players voted to start the season December 22nd. They voted to approve the 72-game regular season. They voted to approve coming into training camp now, December 1st at the latest. The NBA announced they want between 25 and 50% capacity at their games. That is aspirational at best, given the fact that COVID is spiking everywhere. But they're going to move courtside seats 10 feet away. Can you imagine? 10 feet away. Now, there are courtside seats that you're right next to the coach. Those are pretty cool. The first row is pretty much 10 feet away from the players anyway you're indoors. Are you going to mandate masks by all of your fans? You better. Are you going to mandate masks by all your players who aren't in the game? You better. But the NBA made it very clear to the players that they better approve exactly what the owners want or else the players are the ones who are going to suffer. It was a very fast meeting. And I mean really fast with the players. What's interesting is that, you know, when we were preparing for this show, and uh, we were talking about the NBA and how the perception is that this turnaround is too quick for the players. Where LeBron James, there was a rumor that LeBron James and Kawhi Leonard may not show up for spring, uh, spring training. May not show up for training camp. They may not play in a lot of games at the beginning of the season. Coca, during preparation, was asking me about not just player fatigue, but also fan fatigue. And whether or not that can be a factor in both player quality of play, player amount of play, and fans' desire to be at a basketball game. So let's talk about fans very quickly and say that uh, what we talked about pre-show is that fans haven't been at games. They missed the end of the regular season. They missed the playoffs. For fans in red states who are COVID disbelievers who don't care at all, they want to be at events. They want to be at games. They want a return to normalcy. For fans in blue states who recognize that the spread of COVID is real, who are worried about their friends, family, and older ones, who recognize the mortality rate has decreased, but that doesn't make it any better because we don't know exactly what happens going forward if you are diagnosed and have COVID, whether you have mild symptoms or not. I believe that the NBA, which in general is now a blue league because there are so many red people who were offended by the BLM and all other social agendas that the NBA players had, that this is a perfect storm for a problem for the NBA players because you better hope that conservative people come back to your games because if not, I'm not sure who is. And you better hope that you get through a full 72 regular season with 36 home games so you're losing five home games so, by definition, your gate revenue is down by one eighth. Get it? Five. Usually you have 41. Roughly five of 40 is one eighth. Your impact is going to be significant. And yet you are trying to convince me that you were going to vote no. It's, it's laughable. NBA starting back up. Who's ready? I'm ready. The interesting thing will be if the NBA feels they have to bubble again come next April, May, and June. And I hope that by April, May, June of 21, there are no bubbles necessary. I really hope that there is a vaccine that has been properly disseminated by the proper people to the proper number of people. Hope. It's a good thing. I've got a lot of it. You know who doesn't have a lot of hope? The Cleveland Indians. I'm switching to baseball for something that came out yesterday. You know, Chris Antonetti and Mark Chernoff are the President of Baseball Operations GM, front office of the Indians. Smart people, very smart people. Terry Francona, the manager, didn't manage a lot last season. They had Sandy Alomar Jr. managing. Great people. Great game, great team. Did well. Did not do well in the first round. I picked them to beat the Yankees. They did not. Of course, I can't remember whether they played the Yankees, but I think they did. All last offseason, pre-COVID, I was standing in front of you on Nothing Personal while sitting down and saying, trade Francisco Lindor. He's got two years of control left, which means whoever trades for him will have him for two years before he can become a free agent. He is at his most value now and your window is closed. They had a window to win with Lindor. They had some success. It didn't result in a ring. It's never resulted in a ring, but they had a good run. Remember on Nothing Personal, if you're watching this on Nothing Personal with David Sampson YouTube channel, thank you. I'm putting my hands up like a graph, the window of winning for small revenue teams. It goes up and then it goes down like a bell curve, up and down. And when you are a good front office, you make the downs much steeper and you make the recoveries much faster. That's if you're good at what you do. The Cleveland Indians have to recognize if you're going to be good when it's time to fold them versus when it's time to hold them. And the Indians chose to hold them. And then word came out yesterday that the Indians have decided to trade Lindor before this coming season. Well, now he only has one year left. His, pay, his salary is going to be slightly under Mookie Betts as a last-time eligible arbitration-eligible player, which means it's the last time that an arbitrator will des- decide his salary before he can become a free agent and play for any team he wants. And when you are a last-time eligible player, you actually get to compare yourself to free agents and what they make, as opposed to when you're a first-time eligible, you can only compare yourself to other first-time eligibles. When you are a last-time eligible, you compare yourself to anyone you want. Mookie Betts, I think, was at 27 million. Lindor below M- Mookie Betts not by much, I would expect Lindor to get 19 to 21 million dollars in arbitration on a one-year deal. If I'm a team trading for Lindor, the only way I am trading for him is if I have tampered with him and I know that he is going to sign a long-term deal with me. And I know that I want to sign him to a long-term deal. And we've agreed on what the long-term deal is, exactly like the Dodgers did with Mookie Betts. Now, the Dodgers will stand up and say, no, I didn't talk to Mookie Betts before we traded with him because traded for him because that would be tampering, that would be illegal, and that makes me laugh. You are not good at your job if you're not talking to players you're about to trade for if you need to sign them after the trade. Now you go through the regular rules. Hey, do we have permission to talk to your player? We got to ask permission all the time before we were trading guys, and we'd always say no, but we knew that the teams were talking to him anyway, and we didn't care. What's good for the goose is good for the ganda. Who are we hurting anyway? So if you don't have Lindor signed or you don't have the money to sign him, who's going to take the chance in 2021 adding $20 million to your payroll? Who? Find me a team. And if you do find me a team, Cleveland, you're not going to get anyone back except a bag of balls and maybe a non-prospect out of that team's farm system. Whereas if you had traded him pre-pandemic, when everyone was so excited about the season, everyone thought that they had a chance. There was no concept that there'd be a shutdown in 2020. No concept there'd be revenue issues. None. You would have gotten great players back and saved the money, and those great young players would have been in your system. Not trading Lindor last season and then making it public, which they did, because here's how it works. When you start calling teams, which is what you do during an offseason, we make our plan for the next season. We set the payroll, which, by the way, is super hard to do right now when you don't know the revenues. We then look at the players who we can have, look at the players who we don't have, and then we've got a plan in a third column of what we're doing with that player. Are we releasing that player? Are we optioning that player? Are we trading that player? Those are the, uh, those, those are the choices. So for the players who are going to be traded, we then have the baseball people start calling all the other teams. Hey, what are you looking at? Well, we're willing to talk about Lindor. Any interest? The minute you start calling teams and saying a player's available is the minute you go on Twitter and see that that player's available. It literally is simultaneous. Why? Because when we would find out that a player was on the block or when we had a player who was on the block, we wanted to make sure that every team knew. So we would pit the Yankees against the Red Sox. We would pit the Braves against the Phillies. We would pit the Mets against the Yankees, the Mets against the Braves and Phillies, the Angels and the Dodgers. Anytime we could make competition for a player, we would do it, and we would do it publicly so that owners and GMs who pretend they don't look at Twitter, but they do, or pretend they don't look at what the rumor mill says back pre-Twitter, but they all listen to it, and then they all overpay, in theory. According to that, we should have won every trade. I wouldn't say we won every trade after the fact, but I certainly didn't think we lost any trades at the fact. How about that as a concept? All right, I want to move on to right now uh, a review, and I'm going to take a break. And When we come back, maybe, maybe today I'm going to learn the lesson finally. The lesson is about trends. When we come back, we're going to review a movie, and we're going to get to a bunch of updates and a couple of So You Want to Talk to Samson's. We'll be right back. Welcome back to Nothing Personal. My name is David Sampson. Today, that's D-A-V-I-D-S-A-M-S-O-N, at David P, as in Philip Sampson, on Twitter, on Instagram. Please follow me. Coca asked me to ask you that. Download, subscribe, if you don't mind. Tell your friends about Nothing Personal. We're having fun here. Every day we come to you for 45 minutes, we review movies, and I'm a sucker. Just put a hook in my mouth, oh, and pull me, catch me at the end of a rod. Make me like Dan, Dan, is it Dano? Who's the guy in Jackass who put a hook in his mouth? I can't remember. Anyway, hold on. I'm getting a call here. Hey, Quinn, I'm actually taping nothing personal right now. May I call you back? Okay, that is awesome. I'm going to go live on that on nothing personal right now. That's big news. We just found out that Alex Cora was named the Red Sox manager. Was that a way to see Coca? Would you like me to go on HQ right now while I'm recording nothing personal? Okay. Amazing. I may do that. Okay. Bye, Quinn. Well, that was cool. That was live. So I'm going to take a break right now. I'm going to go on CBS Sports HQ. I'm going to come back, and I'm going to say that it was Steve-O who had the hook in his mouth, by the way. And secondly, before we start the review, didn't we have Alex Core as a wait to see what could be more obvious? Maybe I had it on other networks when I was talking about the red Sox, of course they named alex core manager we'll be right back
1: this podcast is sponsored by ramp are you the decision maker in your company consider this for the first time in decades there's a better option for a corporate card and spend management platform meet ramp the only corporate card and spend management system designed to help you spend less money so you can make more most corporate credit cards offer points as incentives And now get $250 when you join RAMP for free. Just go to RAMP.com slash easy. RAMP.com slash easy. R-A-M-P dot com slash easy. Currents issued by Sutton Bank and Celtic Bank members of DIC terms and conditions apply.
2: Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in.
0: Welcome back again to Nothing Personal. I just got off CBS Sports HQ and just finished a 10-minute argument with Coca about the hiring of Alex Cora. And now we're back. I don't like interrupting Nothing Personal. I like going 45 minutes straight, but it's called the contract drive. We're trying to get renewed at CBS. Where are we? But we talked about Alex Cora being named manager of the Red Sox and Coca's pissed. And let me explain to all of you what just happened. Today's Friday, November 6th. In the old days, in our business, in the business of sports, in the business of media, there'd be something called the Friday News Dump, where when you wanted to get something out because you had to get it out, but you didn't want anyone to see it because there's too much other stuff going on and you're embarrassed about it, but you have to release it. You release it in what's called the Friday News Dump. You release 20 different items of which one of them is what you don't want people to focus on. So Coca said, hey, is this the Friday news dump? Why is it being released on a Friday? There is no more Friday news dump because of Twitter, because of social media. There's now a news cycle. You've heard me tell you this, Coca. We used to release certain stuff at 11 p.m. purposefully because we knew it was past deadline for the next day's paper. That's a joke now. There's no such thing as deadline for next day's newspaper because not only is today's paper newspaper tomorrow's toilet paper, today's newspaper is today's toilet paper. Everybody's getting their news immediately on their iPhone or whatever phone they have. So it just happened to be that they decided to announce today. Makes no difference today, yesterday, tomorrow. Alex Cora is back. Is anyone surprised? No. Here's the, here's the two sides of the argument. One, did John Henry and Tom Warner, the owners of the Red Sox, know when they fired Alex Cora, that they were going to rehire him? The answer is an unequivocal yes. Therefore, they named an interim manager named Ron Renneke, who was the bench coach for Alex Cora. Why is it that they named Ron Renke the permanent manager? They did that so they could make it as though the suspension of Alex Cora was legitimate and genuine and that the managerial search that would take place after the 2020 season, would be legitimate and real with candidates. There'd be an interview process. They fire Ron Renke. They go through that process, and then they hire Alex Cora. G-M-A-B. Just stand up and say what your plan was. Ron Renke was our interim manager. We had to dismiss Alex Cora because he was serving a year-long suspension anyway. We could have kept him as manager, but we just wanted to do what was right to calm down everybody because there was a frenzy after the Astros' sign-stealing scandal went down. There was an avalanche where the Astros fired Jeff Lunau, their GM, and AJ Hinch, their manager. We had to fire our manager. The Mets had to fire Carlos Beltran. Everybody's getting fired and dismissed. But we weren't getting rid of Alex Cora long-term. We knew it from the beginning. And how do we know we knew it? When we hired Chaim Bloom to be the chief baseball officer, we made it very clear to him, hey, you can go ahead and interview everybody you want, but Alex Kaur is going to be the manager for the 2021 season and beyond. It's clear as day. It's eyewash. It's being reported that Chaim Bloom and a bunch of others flew to visit Alex Kaur in Puerto Rico for the interview and that the answers to the interview questions were acceptable. He could have been there in his underwear with gas, sharding himself, and it would have been acceptable. Total eye wash. But it's okay, because it's nothing personal, we'll let you know. Now, what about this? I was asked this on CBS Sports HQ. Will the players respect Alice Cora? What about that? The players are all a part of it. Every player is trying to steal signs. Every player knows what every manager and every general manager and everybody is doing. They see the video. They're all a part of it. The reason the Astros got in trouble is because they spoke. They should have known better. Number two, what about other teams? Are they going to be upset that Alex Cora got brought back The reason Coca's upset is he believes that nobody should have hired Alex Cora. He believes that Alex Cora was a cheater and therefore he never should be allowed back in baseball. My view is you do the crime, you do the time, and then you need to be let back into society. You need to be allowed to work again. Coca said, you're right, David, but maybe in another industry. And he said, what about if you stole money and you worked on Wall Street and you went to prison? Would you be hired back on Wall Street? Obviously, Coca's relationship with Wall Street is a distant one. Of course, you're back on Wall Street. Why? Because the only thing people care about is whether you can make them money. Period. The reason Ponzi schemers don't get jobs again is they're taking your money. Come on, Coca. You know better. You know better. What about teams in the AL East? Are they despondent? that Alex Cora, the brilliant mind, is back in the dugout. They couldn't care less. You know what makes the Yankees and the Blue Jays and the Orioles and the Rays despondent? When John Henry and Tom Warner decide that they're going to go back above the luxury tax threshold. When they decide that instead of trading Mookie Betts, they're going to sign the top free agents. When they decide to increase their payroll and go on one of their spending sprees and winning sprees. As a president of a team... We root against every other team. We want you to hire not a good GM, a poor quality manager. We want you to sign the wrong free agents and then overpay for them. We want your development people to stink. We want your draft picks to go bust. Don't pretend for one New York minute that any GM or president doesn't want that because they're not telling you the truth, not even close to telling you the truth. So the ALEs, they don't care. Alex is back. It's big breaking news. I guess the other breaking news has to be about Mike Tomlin and the Steelers. What is going on here, Coca? Every minute you're putting in the document and yelling in my ear about another team in the NFL that's getting fined. We covered that as the word of the day in roulette. But I guess since we said that, Mike Tomlin has been fined $100,000. Mike Tomlin is famous, by the way. He wears his mask as a diaper. Someone told me that wearing a mask under your chin is the same as putting a condom on your finger. It's an interesting way to look at it, I guess. Pittsburgh Steelers, 250 grand, another fine for not wearing masks during the Ravens game. I'm furious if I'm the Rooney family. I'm furious if I'm Roger Goodell. I'm happy because I'm getting all this money. By the way, before you ask what happens with this fine money, it goes into a fund. It gets used for charity. It doesn't go into the owner's pockets. It doesn't get distributed as bonuses to NFL employees. It doesn't go into player payroll. It goes to charity. (sighs) Anyone else before we keep going, Coca? Anything? All right, let's review a movie. Could someone please tell me why Netflix chooses certain movies to trend and others not to? I'm just curious. I go to Netflix, and you know I do this, and I go to trending because I think that that means it's going to be good. And what I'm told every time, and I'm made fun of by Coca every time, is that trending is only to get people like me who are self-appointed cinephiles, who are not actual Roger Eberts or Gene Siskels. Those are movie critics. They're just people who love to escape. They love 90 minutes of pleasure. They don't want any horror. They don't want any fear. They just want quality work. So if something's trending, I got to assume it's trending because it's good. I watched Holiday. Holiday hate. It would be okay if we had a holiday hate. I don't think that's the Madonna song, by the way. I think the song is actually Holiday from her original 1984 album that had Borderline on it. Anyway, it's Holiday. Julia Roberts' niece is in it. Her name is Emma Roberts. Remember her from We're the Millers? She was the daughter in We're the Millers with Jason Sudeikis from Ted Lasso and Jennifer Aniston from Friends. Well, Emma Roberts' bit was in that. She plays a single woman who her mother is Frances Fisher, who is in Titanic. Kate Winslet's stuck-up mother. I think she may be Clint Eastwood's ex-wife, but I may be completely making that up. It's not even worth looking at, Coca. You got enough to worry about it to see if any other teams get fined. She plays the mother who's upset that her daughter's not married. Upset that her mother doesn't have a boyfriend. It's so old and tired, it makes me nauseous. And then she meets this handsome guy online returning a crappy Christmas gift. The handsome man is played by an actor I'd never heard of named Luke Bracey. And he is handsome. I'm very happy to admit that. He's a good-looking guy. They're both online. They meet. They flirt. They flirt. They decide they will be each other, wait for it, each other's holidays. They go to every holiday together, Thanksgiving, Halloween, Christmas, New Year's, Easter, St. Patrick's Day, so they don't have to go alone. Meanwhile, she's hot, he's hot, they can't find good people to date for whatever reason, so they find each other as uh, just friends. There's no sex in the champagne room, just friends. Well, guess what you think happens in holiday Spoiler alert, they do it. Holiday, I don't think you should see it. I mean, I just don't. Just don't. They're friends, then they're together. The end. Nothing personal, pick of the day from yesterday. Did you guys watch the Packers game? Aaron Rodgers continues to be really good. Does he have a chance at MVP? I don't think he's having as good a year as Mahomes, but... Roger, short of the two terrible losses that he's had the last two weeks, came back against the Niners, almost had a perfect game. I think he had six incomplete passes. All we had to do was give six points. It was a slam dunk. We're back to a field goal over 32-29. and 29. The Packers covered. They won 34-17. We had it. That means you had it. We are knowledge in your brain and money in your pocket. That's what Dermish told me to say. On nothing personal. I said I would. He's an anchor for CBS Sports HQ. OK, I want to give you a couple of updates, please, from yesterday's show, a couple of things that I want to make sure that I was clear about. One, I was trying to think of a word and you all came at me and you got it in David P. Sampson on my Twitter. You got it. I was thinking about cliches, all the cliches that people say after they lose, all the cliches that players say after they win, all of the thinking they do the other team. I want to compliment the other team. They played so well. They were a tough match. They were our toughest opponent. We left it all out on the field. We said at halftime that we were going to make sure that we gave our best. We're going to do our all until we can do no more. Cliches. That's the word I was thinking of. I also want to update. I got a bunch of people on contacting me both on text. If you have my cell on Twitter, and uh, we're asking me about losing with dignity. We spoke a bit about that yesterday. And I talked about that I don't believe that losing, indigni- losing with dignity is a thing. I want to define dignity for you so you can understand what I was saying. Dignity is a serious manner or style. He says something with dignity. Or it's a state of quality of being worthy of honor or respect. I'm a man of dignity. I'm a man to be respected. I won't dignify that with a response because I have dignity. So here's my view of dignity as it comes to losers and losing. Losing with dignity doesn't make you a better person. That's not the same as being a good loser versus a sore loser. A good loser loses, leaves the field, works twice as hard, comes back on the field, and tries to win again. Losing with dignity means it's worthy of your honor and respect. I don't want to respect people who lose. I'm not the kind of guy, I want to be very clear, and you can criticize me all you want. It is not how well you play the game. Winning doesn't matter, it's how well you play the game. I've never agreed with that. I don't like that every single team and every single player in Little League gets a trophy. Everybody makes the playoffs. Everybody gets what we now call participation medals and trophies. No, you get a trophy when you win. And when you lose, you get to do laundry on your uniform. That's it. If you don't like competition, then don't be competitive. You want to play competitive sports, make winning matter. Make it be the only thing. If you want to be on Wall Street, if you want to be in sports media, if you don't think that I'm competitive with nothing personal, if you don't think that I want more listeners and more viewers and more followers than the next guy and the next guy, if you don't think I want more money from CBS or from any other network or platform than the next guy, then you don't know me very well. I'm competitive in everything I do. I didn't let my kids win backgammon or war or go fish or battleship or Stratego or Monopoly or anything else. Wah, wah, wah. My kids cried when I beat them. Sorry. Get in trouble? Not going to get in trouble. You want to beat me, you earn it. Moving on, Coca. All right. I got a couple of So You Want to Talk to Samson's. I had a couple, and now I can't see them because I think while I was talking, Coca said that's really not what we're going to do. But we are going to do it. Play the damn music, Coca. You know what I want. Yeah i want to talk to samson yeah thank you matt that was very nice of you so you want to talk to samson there's a couple of uh so you want to talk to samson's out there but i want to talk about the election here as we close this up it's friday it's the end of the week the election day was tuesday it's now been election week wait to see i don't think there'll be an official winner until after sunday that's my wait to see for today Wait to see if I get it wrong. I'll let you know. There's been a lot of change overnight. Biden's now ahead in Georgia as of this taping. He may be ahead in Pennsylvania as well. Official winners don't happen until every vote is counted and every vote is deemed to have been legal. By definition, if either candidate wants to go into court, they have to have evidence you give evidence to a judge, you present it, they decide. If a judge says every vote was legal, you have the right to appeal. If the appellate court says every vote was legal, you have the right to appeal to the Supreme Court where they can say, yes, we will hear this case and then decide, or no, there is no evidence you have proven that makes it worth our time. And no matter what you think about how Amy Coney Barrett was rushed as a member of the Supreme Court, as a justice on the Supreme Court, they don't willy-nilly hear cases. If there is a case to be heard, they will hear it. In order for it to be heard, you need evidence. Not a press conference saying, you're pissed. Actual evidence. So I got a bunch of, so you want to talk to Sampson's about the election. I chose one that I wanted to talk about briefly today. What's your thought on voting for third-party candidates? Is it a waste of a vote or voting for what people want, not voting against what they don't want? This has come up so many times for people who didn't want to vote for Trump and they didn't want to vote for Biden. In 2016, they didn't want to vote for Trump. They didn't want to vote for Clinton. So they chose to vote for a third party or they would write in a name. I got a few tweets, by the way, and thank you, some DMs that I was written in to four ballots. I counted it. I was written in four times. I got four votes, Coca. That leaves me, by my calculation, 72.99 million votes behind Biden in the popular vote and 270 electoral votes behind the winner of the election. My view of voting for a third-party candidate is the following, and I'm going to be very consistent with you. I've asked you to vote since the six months ago since COVID. I've asked you to vote since nothing personal started. There is nothing more. I can't think of the word right now, Coca. My brain is, is a little fried here on a Friday. There is nothing more hypocritical. Thank you. That's the word. Thank you for telling me. There would be nothing more hypocritical than me telling you not to vote for a third party candidate that you have to choose one of the top two leading candidates in the Republican or Democratic Party. That's not true. What you do have to do is vote for a third-party candidate in the affirmative because you believe in what the third-party candidate stands for. If you don't agree with what any candidate stands for, it seems to me you're closer to an anarchist. You're happy with no rule whatsoever. To me, I may not agree with an entire platform of any candidate. As a matter of fact, I don't. However, I'm going to do an analysis and I'm going to choose a candidate where I agree with the super majority of what that candidate stands for, what that party stands for. I'm going to think about what would be best for me, my family, my company, my city, my state, my country, not necessarily in that order. And then I'm going to make a decision. I will never make a decision. In the negative, which means I'm voting for a third party or for a write in because I don't want anybody to win or I don't want anyone to get my vote. Because the truth is, in every election you're a part of, your vote matters and your lack of vote is telling. And sometimes your lack of vote matters. There have been very many elections where third party candidates have taken enough attention away from one party or the other that it has given a victory to a party that really should not have won. And that if that third-party candidate had just supported one of the other top two candidates, then the number two candidate would have risen to the number one ranking and would have been president. Write-in candidates or third-party candidates are only worthwhile if they actually provide you with a level of hope, a level of certainty, and a platform that you want to help grow. Other than that, I'm really not sure what you're doing, to tell you the truth. But I do appreciate the question. Okay, to finish up, I want to talk a little bit about uh, the update. A lot of things happened last night in the election. Uh, The president addressed the country, and it caused a huge stir. There were networks that cut away from it because he was in their mind line. There were people after saying that he's attacked our democracy our democracy is going to end. I just want everyone to breathe and explain what the process is right now. The process is that all of the mail-in ballots that you're reading about, they are majority Democratic because the Democrats said, if you are a Democrat, mail in your ballot. The Republicans, Donald Trump said, if you are a Republican and going to vote for me, please vote on election day. Certain states and all these rules are available online. There's cameras in every place where votes are being counted, by the way. There are Republicans and Democrats watching the count. There are Republican Secretary of States that are Republican supervisors of elections who are watching things happen. Some states count day of election ballots first, And then mail ballots after some states count mail ballots up to five days after the election. We've never focused on it before because it's never mattered. This race is so tight that every ballot's got to be counted. But the state's rules were available before you even started to vote or before you got crazy. When Trump was up 600,000 votes in Pennsylvania, it was irresponsible for any network to report that he was up 600,000 votes because it wasn't real. That's like giving you a halftime score and assuming that that's going to be the final score. That's like going to your bookie and saying, I bet the Packers to win by six or more points. They are up six or more at halftime. Pay me my money. The bookie says there's a whole nother half to play. That's what's going on in the election. There's a whole other half to play. And that half happens to be the counting of the mail-in ballots. Totally legitimate if any ballots are illegitimate, if there's any issues, that will be discovered in court through evidentiary hearings. So don't panic if you are a Republican. If there is nefarious activity going on, we're going to find out. Don't panic if you're a Democrat. If there's no nefarious conduct going on, you can't make it up because the courts won't rule on made-up evidence. So everyone in this country needs to Just breathe. The election will happen. There will be a winner declared. Wait to see after Sunday. There will be lawsuits. They will be solved. The country will move forward. There will be bipartisanship. There will be non-bipartisanship. All the things that are happening in our country will continue the day after tomorrow. If you want to change it, Start that change with yourself and start it today by having meaningful conversation with people who don't agree with you, having meaningful intellectual discourse with people whose views make you sick to your stomach. Don't watch channels which simply regurgitate to you what you already believe and what you know. Watch the other side's channel. Understand what they think and what they do. Because then the next time you're speaking to someone and you're getting super frustrated and you're losing your mind about what you think the state of America is, you know exactly what you're going to say to your friend or someone else who you're talking to. Hey, hey, it's just business, it's nothing personal. Here you go. Here you go.